My dog is trying to murder a larger dog. Isn't that all dogs? My dog is six pounds, and she confidently bit a Newfoundland in the face yesterday. The Newfoundland <laughs> is 130 pounds. And she just bit her nose. I don't know if my dog wants to die, or if she's just the alpha here, but that's that's just a thing that happened. Witness me. <laughs> I ride a turtle. <laughs> to Valhalla. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to throw the remains of my dog a fucking Viking funeral on the Atlantic when she <laughs> pushes her luck with a Newfoundland one too many times. A little boat made out of a shoebox and just burn it. <laughs> it will be beautiful. Oui, c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton. I'm not a Tory, I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict. French and Fabulous. I'm Jessica. And I'm still Janelle. Yeah. That was a bit of a delay. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> a bit of a lag it's, there. It's 4.30 in the morning here, and uh, that's about as clever as I can be right now. But I believe we were supposed to start recording, what, four hours ago? <laughs> we had to talk shit about everybody we knew first, because we haven't talked to each other yes. in a while, so... Just starting at the A's and working our way down. We have a lot of friends with A names. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it is. It has been a while. Yeah, so we're back at it. It has been a while. <laughs> mm. uh, We've been going through a whirlwind of shit, and by a whirlwind of shit, I mean Janelle has been going through a whirlwind of. Shit. It has been a bad two months. It has. I think that I. Not great. I maybe. I don't know. I. Cursed by a vengeful god. I don't. I pissed off a god. I. I failed to carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain and sing the special song while she drank from the stream. Failed to. I don't know. I didn't sacrifice the correct goat. I woke up in my sleep and built something on an Indian you burial ground. Sacrifice the wrong goat. I know. Just what am I? My monthly goat sacrifice mm. was not up to snuff because it has been two months of. Pretty much everything in my life that could go wrong, uh, going wrong. Just I. Uh, a hail of shit. I'm not dead. That's pretty much the best thing I can say about the last two months. Uh, Silver lining. No cancer, I'm not I guess. quite yet in the ground. It's just been two months of yeah. just people suddenly dying Morgan's and things going wrong. And yeah, it's been a lot of uh, emergency yeah. flights but and funerals. Dead. But I'm not, not dead. dead. Uh, other people in my life are dead, but uh, I'm not dead. So, you know, mm. little things. Don't worry about it. I'm not one of them. Yeah, Whew. well, uh... In any case, speaking of people who may or may not be dead, what are we doing today? That's a morbid introduction. Uh, we're doing a disappearance, you monster, Yay. of a child who may still be alive. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a giggle moment. I don't know that. Uh, <laughs> right, uh... Um, I don't look these things up. You you tell me we're doing a missing child, whatever, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, at this point, he would no longer be a child. Uh, he would be... 25 Don't years say old. That. He's probably still a child at heart. Young at heart, although he's been on his own since 14 if he's still out there somewhere. So that's got to do some stuff to a person. Um I know that it does. I worked with homeless kids for for 2 years and I've I've met many a person who's been on their own since 14. I wouldn't describe them as great. But uh we're going to get into it. Too much sadness, boo. Boo. Uh, this whole thing is sad. this whole podcast is sad. This is just 
We've never done a happy episode. This is us laughing into the void. <laughs> it is a little bit. Um, I just swallowed an ice cube. My luck continues. Um, holy mm. shit. <laughs> I gotta warm up for that. Holy fuck. Um, <coughs> so, Are there stretches you can do like with your esophagus that'll ke- keep you from getting a strain? What? Mm. I can't answer that. You're and too one. you're too and innocent. Two. I can't and swallow. <laughs> there certainly are things like that honestly, that you can do, but I don't honestly, want you I, doing I, them. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. I'm sorry, Mom. Like tongue exercises? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Is this why I was banned from eating pudding cups at school? <laughs> I don't know why you were banned from eating pudding cups at school, but I don't wanna know. Um so this week Oh, it's because I would never bring a spoon. And apparently, like, the tongue action was a little too confident. I don't even... Yeah. (laughs) I understand why you're... And, like, all the women were upset, but the men were just confused. (laughs) You don't even need to ask your hairdresser for a lesbian haircut. You just come in and suck the pudding right out of a cup. And she just knows. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, just come in with like a gel, like just like a cup of Jello, just suck it up into my mouth, you know, slam it on the table, and they're just like, "Gotcha, butch military cut, <laughs> undercut all the way." Yup. <laughs> oh. Do you want like colored streaks? <laughs> this is this is just the mullet. Excellent. This is too much. <laughs> so this this week, um, this month, this has been our first podcast in quite a while. We are doing the disappearance of Andrew Gosden. So in true Janelle form, because I picked the case, because god damn it, it's my turn, and I get I get to have this after the two months that I've had. Uh, in <laughs> I just need this one thing to this, feel alive. This is how I relax. This is this is how Janelle unwinds. This is fun for well, this is this is my yoga. Just breathe in, mm. missing child. Breathe out, murder. Um so as with <laughs> Not good. As with many cases we've covered on the podcast, the details of the disappearance don't make a whole lot of sense. While I was researching this, I was really... That's why it's fun. Well, you say that. It it struck a lot of similarities to the case of Asia Degree, which we did in an earlier episode. So if you like this episode, go cue this one up, that one up next. It's also about a child who disappeared voluntarily uh, under strange circumstances. Mm. Just mainline every single episode we've done about a, like, a horrifying disappearance of an innocent. Probably don't. You know, you should really listen to this shit back to back. I recommend it. As someone who now actually has a master's in clinical psychology, uh, I cannot recommend that you do that. (laughs) (laughs) As a podcast host, I say go for it, but, uh... Fill your boots. (laughs) Absolutely. Fill your boots with dead child. This case also has some similarities to the case of Maura Murray, which we uh, covered in a two-part episode near the beginning of this podcast. Episode six. It was. Um, on the ball. Thanks. I'm creepy. A little bit. The ill-concerned people who disappeared of their own volition for reasons that were never uncovered. So Andrew Gosden's disappearance, if you live in the UK, you might have heard of it, but otherwise, other than that... Um, it probably would have gotten a lot more media attention, except that he disappeared in September of 2007, which was just a few months after the disappearance of Madeleine McCann, who was a fellow British child. Uh, so her case pretty much dominated British and European news cycles, and in compared to her, the case of a 14-year-old who apparently ran away of his own volition just didn't get a lot of media interest. 
It doesn't have that pizzazz. It doesn't. It's not... Mm. It's not front cover. In general, missing males get a lot less media attention than missing females, and children who are apparently abducted get the most media attention. Definitely a lot more so than teenagers who walked away of their own volition, so... Yeah, on a scale of media sympathy, we're pretty low here. This was a case that really could have benefited from a lot of media attention right in the beginning of the case, and unfortunately that just wasn't available for a number of reasons that we'll get into. So to get into background of who Andrew Gosden was, he was born on, or is, uh, I shouldn't use him in past tense, but uh, Andrew Gosden was born on July 10th, 1993, to Kevin and Glennis Gosden in Doncaster, which is a small city of around 100,000 people in South Yorkshire, England. It's around 170 miles north of London, so if you measure distance like a Canadian, it's three hours north of London. Mmm, yes. <laughs> I've learned since I've since moving to the United States that, like, when you give distance in hours, they then wait for you to fill in a method of transportation, and you're like, well, <laughs> I'm not suggesting you fucking walk to Chicago in nine hours, am I? Like... <laughs> <laughs> That was not quite my intent. <laughs> yeah, figure it out. But like, yeah, this is like a this is a typical Canadian thing. It's just like measuring things in like the time it would take to drive there in a half frozen car packed with miserable people. <laughs> that's that's the Canadian way. And it's very odd living in in denser areas where like people don't travel as much. Where, you know, people think of like, oh, you know, it's a pretty long trip. It'll take at least two hours. And to a Canadian, specifically one who lives in the prairies, that's an easy afternoon trip. Yeah, I was going to say, if you give me a number less than eight, get in the car. We'll st- stop for Timmy's on the way. Like, it doesn't faze me. Mm. Oh, anything anything less than four hours, you like, why would you stay the night? It's just a quick trip back. <laughs> <laughs> Canadians like dying asleep at the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're about. Our favorite hobby. That's um, what gives us a rush. Fuck. So, Andrew Gosden has been missing since September 14th of 2007. And he does actually have one important thing in common with Madeline McCann, which makes it so unusual that we don't have more sightings of him. He was born with a very unusual distinguishing feature. So if you remember from the news footage of Madeline McCann, she has something called heterochromia iridium. There is a dark patch or spot on her green iris that makes it appear like her pupil is bleeding into her iris. It looks like the pupil's melting. Um, Which would make it really easy to identify her if she's ever found, because this is not something that she will grow out of. Likewise, Andrew Gosden was born with a distinctive double ridge on his right ear. I actually haven't ever been able to find an official name for this, if there is one, or pictures of anybody else who has it. Uh, But we will put a picture on our social media accounts because it's kind of hard to describe, but it kind of looks like his right ear has been crimped. It doesn't fold over. His cartilage has these two distinct vertical ridges. It's very unusual. Yeah, I can't picture it. There's no way to describe it. It's No, you'd have to see a picture of it. It's not something that I'd ever seen before on a person's ear. It's just a, it's an unusual feature. But at the time of his disappearance, he had long hair that covered his ears, but this isn't something that he would be able to hide long term. Um, if he's still out there somewhere, he still has this unusual right ear. The moment he has to get a haircut. It's over for him. Um, just the moment. It's done. They're gonna find him. Uh, going to jail. No, it's not actually illegal to run away. Going to ear jail. <laughs> That's just discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> what? They don't 
They don't throw people in jail for having weird ears? No, I would understand why he ran away if that was the case. <laughs> I don't know, he's like, why else would he want to escape? Clearly, it's 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 to flee justice. <laughs> Ear justice. <laughs> There's a lot of bad theories about what happened to Andrew, but this is this is the worst. You win. <laughs> you win the trophy. The trophy hates you. We all I'm hate you. I'm not an expert. No, <laughs> you don't say. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an ear ear specialist. No, it's great I'm to know. I'm barely a human. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've clarified that you're not on the ear police, um, Andrew is also deaf in his left ear. Um, this is also something that he would not be able to hide. So he's, he's a double offender. <laughs> Again, people don't go to jail for having strange ears. <laughs> I don't understand why this is different. Why have I been hiding this whole time? Your ears are fine. Your butch lesbian haircut shows them perfectly. No, they're just, they're really small in proportion to my head, and it makes me, I'm a bit insecure about it. (laughs) Like, one time, and no one noticed for a very long time, until, like, one time, like, I, I think I swore at, like, a college event, and there was, like, children around, and someone across from me was just like, hey, Small ears. And I'm like, well, that's that's not very nice. <laughs> that's a bit harsh. Every time I'm with you... They're, they're not that weird. <laughs> there's just so much to look at with you that I don't think I've ever looked at your ears. There's just there's so much going on. Yeah, you don't... Well, <laughs> it's, it's hard to say whether my ears are particularly small or my skull is just weirdly huge. <laughs> it's mostly the latter. Why not both? <laughs> Why not both? I wear I wear men's extra large hats. <laughs> I have a normal head, so I didn't know hats came in sizes. I wear <laughs> they do toques regular. Um <laughs> No, like a normal toque that you can get in the store won't work for me because they give me headaches cuz my head's too big. <laughs> if I want to kill you, I just got to keep a hat on you till it cuts off circulation to your brain. They're just like just in a, a, a Rube Goldberg esque machine where I have to stand on an X and then it just like shoves a hat on my head after like the marble like slams into the chicken and it kicks over the boot. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like too much work. I'll just wait for you to run out into traffic. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen one of these one days. of these days. So with Andrew being deaf in his uh, ear, though, the thing, people who are deaf in one ear can actually hear fine in most circumstances, but he would not be able to hear in stereo, um, which means that he would have a hard time locating the source of a sound, and he would struggle to understand speech Mm -hmm. in the presence of a lot of background noise. So people who have uh, deafness or hard of hearing in one ear can't really hear very well in a noisy restaurant or bar. He would also have a harder time hearing high-pitched sounds and voices, uh, and people who have single-sided deafness tend to turn their heads to point their good ear at the person who is speaking to them. Andrew also required very strong prescription glasses in order to see. So again, these are both things that would not change over time. If he's still out there somewhere, he mm-hmm. is still deaf in his left ear, and he still has poor vision. Um, even if he doesn't disclose these things to people, he would still have distinctive characteristics, um, especially with the deafness. Oh yeah, like, there would be strong behavioral signs of this. Especially because, like, if you're on the run, and you have, like, these very distinctive characteristics and, like, minimal resources, like, when do you get new glasses? (laughs) That's just it. Like, do you just go without? (laughs) Or do you just wear the same ones for ten years? Eventually your head's gonna get too big and then you're gonna get a headache. (laughs) 
And then you're going to go to ear jail. That's a specific, that is specific to you? I feel like this was something your parents <laughs> told you to keep you in line as a child. You know, instead of dangling the reward of like, you better be good. So Santa will bring you presents. It's like, Jessica, shut the fuck up or the ear police are coming. You're going to ear Hide jail. Hide your shame. <laughs> Healthy. Um... So in all, though, uh, the thing about Andrew Gosden is that this is a guy who would be very easily identifiable by somebody who knows him if they were familiar with the case at all. He would have a very hard time keeping his identity a secret uh, if that's what he's out there and that's what he's trying to do. So even if he's hiding his ear, he has long hair, whatever, um, it, it seems difficult to prevent anybody from seeing your right ear for 11 years. Especially as the, the family have made quite an effort to spread awareness of his case with pictures of his ear in London, which is where he, he was last seen. Andrews was raised in a suburb called Balby, and he seems to have grown up in quite a supportive, loving, and close-knit family. He was given the nickname Rue by his family, because apparently he was bouncy like a little kangaroo, which is cute. Um, his parents are both dedicated Christians, but- Sickening. The, the Christians or the nickname- Oh, the, the nickname's adorable. The Christians are sick. I'm not, I'm not just going like, oh yeah, like, you know, he grew up in a Christian household, like, aw, that's cute. I, I, oh my gosh, do you go to church every Sunday? That's adorable. I, I no, not quite. I didn't realize room. we were dipping into the blasphemy podcast. All right, so this is a, this is a blasphemy <laughs> podcast. All right, that's fine. Uh, oh my gosh, did you take communion? Oh my gosh. You are going to catch fire, I Jessica. Lightning is going to strike <laughs> you if you don't stop that. Um, <laughs> nah, that's not why. No amount There's of so many other reasons. Goat sacrifice can save either of us now. Um, <laughs> ah, I don't don't worry. I don't do I don't do it for the karma. I do it for the blood. There's just nothing quite like just being covered head to toe in goat's blood. Oh yeah. You know it's warm. Oh yeah. Especially on these cold polar vortex nights. I just I feel like you shouldn't be allowed to live within 500 meters of an elementary school. Not because you're a sex offender. Just <laughs> you just shouldn't be allowed. Do they have goats there? <laughs> you School's changed a lot. They're doing a lot of a lot of tweaking around the edges with the Canadian public school system. But uh, you know, it's all for the best. Experimentation. You should be forced to live above a butcher ah. shop that converts into a karate dojo at night. That's that's where you belong. <laughs> I just go downstairs and punch the meat. That's that's right. Rocky Balboa style. Get it all out. So, Andrew's parents were both dedicated Christians, but they didn't choose to baptize Andrew or his older sister as children because they wanted them to make their own decisions. Just more that I got. I got dunked. I just, just get in there. Yeah. <laughs> into the water. <laughs> Cast the babe into the waves. <laughs> ah, yes. Marital. Your parents just stood on the edge of the rocks and just whipped you out to sea like they were skipping a stone. <laughs> That's, uh... That's a maritime baptism. That's what Catholics do, right? Yeah, no, I got a, I got a maritime baptism. You just, they hurl you into the Atlantic, and if you come back, Jesus says yes. This is a good one. You can keep this one. <laughs> if the waves take you, you've returned to God. Then it was meant to be. It is. Yeah, that's 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 basically the Catholic version of quality control. Just does does it float? Does it sink? Does it swim? 
Kick the tires. All of this is blasphemy. Every bit of it. Um... <laughs> it's always good to get a little bit of blasphemy in. Born part of the diet. We're, we're diversifying. Um... Keeps you strong. So Andrew and, Clear lungs. Andrew and his sister were quite close in age. She's about two years older, and they it appears that they were always very close. Charlotte told the BBC that if there was problems and he was running away from something, or he experienced any kind of depression or anything like that, I would have really hoped that he would have spoken to me, at least out of everyone. So I do struggle with that, because I feel like, in a way, there was something and he couldn't tell me, then I feel like I've let him down as a sister, really. So, from all accounts, Andrew Gazin was an incredibly bright and fairly well-adjusted kid. He was in a government young, gifted, and talented program, which was in, uh, designed to enhance the achievement of the top 5% of high school students in the country. Uh, he won mathematics awards. It was very much expected that he would score straight A's in his GCSEs, which, um, if you're not British, which the vast majority of our audience is not, these are very stressful qualifying exams that are taken by English students. They do one in each subject. Um, this seems to be how they get into college, but don't quote me on that. I don't know. I went, uh, Canada's... Canada has the the easiest shrug. Yeah, it's a shrug. You just I want to go here, and they're like, "Well, I guess so." That's Canadian university admissions. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Don't fuck around too much. Pretty much. I I passed high school. They're like, "Yes, you did. Welcome to college." <laughs> Boy, did you? Yeah. They they just they just hand you a schedule and slap you on the ass, and they they send you out the door. <laughs> My first day at the University of Alberta. I remember that ass slap fondly. Um, <laughs> the memory of the sting still brings warmth to my heart. And my left ass cheek. Always the left. That's the lucky one. It's a tradition. It was fully expected that Andrew Gosden was going to go to Cambridge, and he had a 100% attendance record at his Catholic high school at the time of his disappearance. What's more is that Andrew, he was a bit of a nerd, he achieved all of this with pretty much minimal effort. He was consistently disappointed with the lack of challenge available at his school, and he was apparently hoping that his upcoming school term would finally be more challenging. I feel ya. I do, actually. Um, On a personal level, Mm. he also seemed to be doing quite well, and he didn't really give off any major red flags prior to his disappearance, like you might expect. His family describes him as a, quote, home bird who rarely left the house or socialized with friends outside of school. But he did have a small group of friends who were very similar to him with same interests, and he wasn't known to have any issues with bullying. Some people are just naturally less outgoing, and I don't really find it that odd or alarming that he spent most of his time at home. His entire profile here does not read like somebody who runs away from home. It doesn't. That's the whole thing. Like, generally speaking, people who run away from home... It's obvious why. <laughs> yeah, and it is. We're gonna get into. It just we're gonna get into this. Is. I've worked with many teen runaways, and there's a lot of consistent factors in their stories. There's a lot of family violence, drug use, pregnancy problems with the law, all kinds of stuff. And he doesn't fit in with any of it. He went to church, and he was a Cub Scout, but he apparently ceased going to church around 18 months before his disappearance, and he stopped going to Cub Scouts around a few months before he disappeared. He told his father that he just wasn't really interested in the scouts anymore and he no longer looked forward to going. Again, some people have flagged this online as something that's unusual, but I actually don't think that it is, and I don't think it's necessarily related to his disappearance. Kids change their mind about their activities and their religion in their teen years, and it's kind of usually nothing to be concerned about. I think we all have a couple weeks where we're Wiccan as teenagers. It just, it happens. You're just, you're just walking along and then your life you know you you get your first zit and uh you just go wicking for like a, a month over the summer it's you know it's normal it's normal 
you're just you're in a graveyard brewing it's a spells weird anime phase under the full moon yeah you, you get it all out of your system you strip off all your your hot topic gear and you make your first sacrifice you know adolescence Andrew Gosden was a huge video game fan, and I don't think it's actually super unusual that a teenage boy chose video games over Cub, Spout, uh, Cub Scouts. Cub Scouts. That's a, that's a different club. <laughs> I, I don't know what they do. It sounds illegal. Um, he also really loved to read. <laughs> it should be. He apparently had read the Lord of the Rings novels and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy many times over, which I also have. That is my favorite book. I've read it <laughs> a dozen times. Me too. Um, he had no history of mental oh, illness, man. and he did not display signs of depression. He was quite mature for his age, according to his teachers, and he didn't easily get worked up or moody in the way that other teenagers do. That is where he and I differ. I was the queen of mood. <laughs> the moodiest. Yeah, only Linkin Park could soothe my soul, and it only worked at 180 decibels. Mm. It was great. It's amazing that I can hear you right now. <laughs> Andrew was eventually given a cell phone for his 12th birthday, but he didn't really use it or find it useful. When he eventually lost it, he wasn't bothered and he didn't want a replacement. So at the time of his disappearance, he did not own a cell phone. He was also reportedly into the goth scene, and watching articles try to describe this is hilarious. <laughs> he was apparently into Slipknot, Marilyn Manson, Iron Maiden, Muse, and Funeral for a Friend, for, to which I can only say, mm. same, same. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good taste. It also technically makes him more of a metalhead than a goth. Speaking as someone who is something of an True. expert on 2007 era goth culture. Yeah, honestly, Slipknot. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, if you've got some My Chemical Romance in there, now we're talking. You need a little bit of emo. I own black platform boots and a whole lot of eyeliner. I know fucking goth when I see it. You're a champ. <laughs> oh. You can wing eyeliner like nobody's business. I can. It's my only marketable skill, and no one will pay me to do it. So, <laughs> please, <laughs> somebody hire me. <laughs> my mother looked at me one day with my very distinctive eyeliner that um, I'm very well known for at this point among people who know me. And my mom was like, man, I wish I could do that. Except the skin around my eyes feels like ball skin. <laughs> She's like, it's all saggy and loose. I've got testicle eyes. And she just left the room. That's just a, that's a statement she ended a conversation on. My mother's testicle eyes. So. That, that takes confidence. Just like, yeah. Hey, daughter. My face is like a scrotum. Later. There's <laughs> no coming back from that. Yeah, Elizabeth just strides out of the room. She does. Confidence. Let's work it, mom. Andrew, at the time of his disappearance, had shoulder-length light brown hair, which he had been planning to dye black. The lack of hand-wringing in the media over Andrew's interest in the goth scene is actually kind of weirdly refreshing. The UK seems to be very chill about this. Mm. Uh, in the United States, it would be the only thing that they fixated on in news coverage. Oh, yeah, literally every picture of him would be like, how much of his goth metalhead memorabilia can we possibly fit in the background? Can we have, like eerie Dutch tilt close-ups of it that move slowly in with sinister music in the background. Excellent. Well, in the in American news coverage, I'm sure they would have made it out. Was he kidnapped by witches? Yes. Oh, they would have definitely claimed that he would run off to start disemboweling chickens for Satan. But it's kind of refreshing that a lot of the media in England around Andrew's disappearance seems to understand that this is just sort of a normal thing that kids do. Uh, his parents took him to a Muse concert at one point. They seem pretty generally supportive of his interests. 
I mean, 90% of his interests appear to be math, so... <laughs> math and goth music. It's it's a good way to live. That's the loser with a future starter kit. <laughs> Screw you, I went to Columbia. <laughs> I said loser with a future, man. Oh, God damn it! it's just me. That wasn't a misstatement. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew was physically small, absent-minded, and he was described as, quote, not streetwise by his parents... Which makes sense, because if you're kind of a nerdy loner kid from the suburbs of North Yorkshire, you're probably not meant for the hard streets. Andrew looked a, y- a lot younger than 14. He looked probably closer to 12. Again, we'll put up photos. Um, we'll put his missing post person's flyers on the on the social media sites. He was 5'3 when he disappeared, but unfortunately, since boys tend to have their growth spurts later in adolescence, we don't actually know his adult height. We can guess that he's probably not very tall as an adult, but who knows. Not very tall is a pretty broad spectrum. Some of us are five foot three at fourteen, and we never grow again. God, <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm fine. I grew out. I I did that very successfully. <laughs> I grew in a direction. It's just not the one I. It's wanted. not that you stopped growing. I gained several inches. <laughs> not the ones I wanted. Um, so the description of Andrew <laughs> as a teenager actually does strongly remind me of myself, which is the reason that I picked this case because I'm an egomaniac. But um, Andrew and I are about the same age. We had a lot of the same interests and personality at age 14, and we both require strong glasses in order to see. I feel this kid. Yeah. He's about an inch taller than you, though. Oh, he's like half an inch taller than me. (laughs) (laughs) I will claw every centimeter that I can. (laughs) So, the summer vacation before Andrew disappeared, his parents suggested that he might want to go stay with his grandmother for a while and to take the train there and back by himself um, in London. He didn't want to go, however, so this plan was scrapped. And the only thing that was unusual in the days leading up to his disappearance at all is that he decided on two occasions to walk home from school instead of taking the bus. Uh, His bus trip was about four miles, or 6.4 kilometers, so that's a pretty substantial walk. That's like a 70-minute walk. Other than that, though, there was nothing particularly unusual about his demeanor or his activities leading up to his disappearance. He was eight days into his new school year when he disappeared, and by all accounts, he was hopeful that the new year would bring him the academic challenge that he was looking for. So that brings us into his disappearance. It never does. They're always like, oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be so much harder next year, and then it never is. They were like, oh, it's gonna be gonna be tough, and then Promises, promises, never kept. Weren't kept until grad school, frankly, but um, that's neither here nor there. But uh, (laughs) the the, the most difficult thing of school has always just been paying for it. Oh, yeah, and also, like, horrific bullying in my case. But whatever. You know, sometimes you get flushed in a locker. It's fine. Mm. In your case, they combine the toilet and the locker. They just flushed your head right in the locker. (laughs) Flushed in a locker. (laughs) Just shove your head in and it's, you know, twist the lock around and there's just whoosh! Just an explosion of water. It's five o'clock in the morning. We're gonna... You know, it's, that's almost impressive. The, just the technical skills, the innovation. It's almost flattering that they went to that much work. To put a toilet in your locker. Just to flush my head in the locker. <laughs> it's because you're worth the it, Jessica. plumbing alone. I bet, I bet they're very successful now. <laughs> so Andrew's family reports that the evening of September 6th, 2007 was uneventful. The family ate dinner together, and they washed the dishes together afterwards. And that evening, Andrew spent an hour making a jigsaw puzzle with his dad, and he watched a couple comedy shows with his mom. So it was basically a painfully wholesome family evening. 
Oh, I was just thinking that, like, be more wholesome. <laughs> Andrew normally had no problem getting himself up on time in the morning, but on the morning of September 7th, he had issues getting up. His family said that he seemed particularly irritable that morning. And at 8.05, Andrew left the house as he usually would to catch the bus to school. But instead of actually catching the bus, Andrew went and hid in a nearby park. He waited till everyone else in the house had left for the day, and then he returned to the family home. You're pretty much always on CCTV in England any time that you are outside of your house with the curtains not drawn. Um, so Oh, it's full 1984. <laughs> they, they saw that as an instruction it's... manual. <laughs> yeah, like, at any point when you are in the London inner city, you are being recorded from 16 different angles, none of them flattering. <laughs> they, they can find you. Um... And they add a lot of pounds. Like, they say the camera adds 10 pounds, and if you've got 16 on of them, you, lo- you basically look spherical. <laughs> just, just video after video of little packed people walking around. Waka 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 waka. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody's walking around like looking like penguins. Just that that's just you. Um But sure enough, a, a neighbor's camera actually caught footage of Andrew returning home that morning when he was supposed to be at school. After getting home, Andrew put his school uniform in the washing machine and draped his blazer on the back of a chair in his room. He changed into a casual pair of black jeans and a black Slipknot t-shirt. He then left the house, taking only his keys, wallet, PSP console, and a, a bag of his covered with patches from rock and roll metal bands. What he didn't take with him is almost as puzzling as what he did. He apparently left behind his PSP charger, as well as 100 pounds in birthday money cash. His parents said that none of his other possessions or clothing were missing, and he didn't appear to have packed a sweater or a coat. Andrew was reported to be quite absent-minded, so it's hard to say if he intentionally left the cash and charger behind, or if he intentionally chose not to pack them. Odd. Mm-hmm. And also weirdly conscientious. Like, he goes out of his way to put his uniform in the wash. That's... I don't know, that dr- the d- detail strikes me. It does, doesn't it? Leaving the bunny- money behind is boneheaded, but like it's also the sort of thing I could imagine myself doing. So I don't know. Well, and the charger for his PSP. PSP chargers were not easily replaceable. Like, that's not a universal, standardized charger. (laughs) He left the house at 8.30am, and he walked back toward the park where he had hidden from his family. He then stopped to to use the ATM at a nearby garage. He withdrew 200 pounds from his bank account, which was pretty much all the money he had in there. Uh, He had a total balance of 214, but since the money only dispensed 20s, um, that's as much as he could take out. He then walked to the Doncaster railway station and purchased a one-way ticket to London on the 9.25am train. The clerk specifically remembered him because he was told that he could purchase a return ticket for less than a pound extra, but he insisted on buying just a one-way ticket. Um, the family has said that they don't find this entirely unusual because Andrew was quite familiar with London and the, they had several family members or family friends that he could have stayed with while he was there. None of them were contacted by Andrew, however. A woman who sat next to Andrew on the train said that he sat quietly through the whole train journey and he just seemed completely engrossed in the video game he was playing on his PSP. Andrew's train arrived at the King's Cross station in London at 11.20am and he was captured by CCTV leaving the station's main entrance at 11.25. There have been no confirmed sightings of him since. Um, there's been no activity on his bank account, although his parents have periodically topped up since his disappearance, just in case. 
but it's honestly like he stepped out of the train station and walked off the face of the earth. When Andrew didn't show up for school, uh, his teachers tried to phone his parents, but they accidentally misdialed the number, so they weren't able to get a hold of his parents to let them know. So when the family arrived home that evening, they didn't realize Andrew was missing. They thought that he was downstairs in their converted cellar, because basements aren't really a thing in England, playing video mm-hmm. games, or that he was in his homework, in his homework doing his bedroom. He was not doing that. He was... <laughs> He was in his bedroom doing his homework because that was usually what he did after school. One of those two things. They noticed that Andrew was missing at dinner time when they went to sit down for dinner and Andrew did not emerge. They initially thought that he may have gone over to a friend's house and just lost track of time. But when they called Andrew's friends, they learned that he hadn't been at school that day. They then became frantic and initially they worried that something may have happened to Andrew on his way to school. So the police were contacted at 7 p.m. Family members searched up and down Andrew's route to school, and they started circulating a leaflet with Andrew's picture on it in the area within three hours of disappearance. Police searched the bushes near the Gosden house, but they didn't find any trace of Andrew or clues about his whereabouts. Other than that, though, the police work on this case is a train wreck. There's really no other way to say it. Just an absolute donkey show? Well, the family have, most, have done most of it. The family were the ones who located the CCTV footage from their neighbor's house, That's how they know that Andrew returned to the house after everyone had left, and that's how they know what direction he went. They could see him walking away from the home toward the station. They were also the ones who went and spoke to the ticket clerk at the station, and they found out that he'd gotten on a train. So all of this information is Detective Mum and Dad. Yeah, it seems that uh, the case wasn't taken overly seriously. When 14-year-olds turn up missing, it's often a case of, well, I'm sure he ran away, or I'm sure he'll be back later, or maybe he's... He's just off doing something. Yeah, like that is one of the issues with once you get disappearances over a certain age, especially ones that seem intentional, because yeah, they're usually intentional. It's just weird in in this particular case. Like, Gosden isn't a typical runaway, and if they spent any attention on more than just his age and the fact that the disappearance seems intentional, this starts looking really weird. The whole thing is incredibly weird. And despite knowing for an absolute fact that Andrew went to London unaccompanied with it, they found this out three days after his disappearance. Police focused most of their early investigation on the family and the idea that the family had had something to do with the disappearance. This would have made sense as an investigation strategy if they had absolutely no idea where Andrew was, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense in the circumstances. Yeah, like, everybody here has an alibi. And you have a video of him just walking away from the house, <laughs> getting on a train, and just playing video games all the way back without, like, all the way to London without a hint of distress. That's, 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 that's not, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, the other issue is that, like, um, what? Police initially asked the British Transit Police in London to search the CCTV footage at King's Cross Station. But the BTP, the British Transit Police, initially came back and said that they could not pick him out of the crowds. Um, They did some search efforts in London, especially in neighborhoods where he was known to have family, but they didn't turn up any trace of him. It took them three weeks to uncover CCTV footage. The Metropolitan Police finally looked at the footage, 
which is a separate police force from the British Transit Police. So three weeks into the search, the Metropolitan Police finally located CCTV footage of Andrew getting off the train at King's Cross Station and leaving by himself, which pretty much confirmed that the family wasn't involved and that most of the early investigation was a big waste of time. Yay! Who knew? By the time they found this footage and really started taking the London investigation more seriously, all the CCTV footage from cabs and from the surrounding area had been overwritten. Uh, they don't keep CCTV footage for very long, especially back in 2007 when storage was more expensive. Um, I believe they said that most footage only uh, was only kept for 10 days at the time. Oh boy. The, the family passed out flyers in London, which included photos of Andrew with this uh, a close-up picture of his distinctive ear. Uh, and they did get a few sightings reported. The most credible was probably a sighting of him at a pizza hut in London on the day he disappeared. Um, There's also another sighting from the same time saying that he was seen at Coventry Garden. But unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of follow-up to these leads. It actually took them six weeks to interview the woman who reported the sighting at Coventry. So once again, valuable information that could have led to a break in the case was lost because the, the police work was just chaotic. So to this day, there are no leads on Andrew. That's where the case ends. That's as much information as we know about him. Um, we don't know why he left for London. It's, like I said, it's as if he vanished off the face of the earth. Police do have a couple theories that they worked with, though. I mentioned uh, the family wasn't really alarmed or surprised to learn that he traveled to London or that his ticket had been a one-way. He had friends and family there. He loved the city. He was very familiar with the public transit there. Um, they felt that he might have traveled there to go sightseeing. This doesn't really explain why he skipped school to do it on a weekday. Um, and also, police did check CCTV footage and tickets and um, staff at major London tourist attractions, and none of them reported seeing him. They also initially felt that Andrew may have traveled to meet someone that he met online. The problem is that they could never find evidence of this being the case. The family computer was searched, and for good measure, they searched all of the school computers and all of the computers at the local library, and no evidence of this kind of thing was ever found. He also did not have his own email address, he declined to have his own cell phone, and he did not have a messaging function on his PSP. So they don't really know how he would have pulled this off. He apparently wasn't particularly social and didn't really meet people online. That wasn't something that he was doing. Probably one of the more plausible theories is, um, and the family believed this as well, is that Andrew may have traveled to London for some sort of event. And there's been a lot of speculation about what that event may have been. Um, there was the 2007 YouTube gathering, although there's no evidence that Gosden went to this or had any interest in YouTube. There are also several concerts in the area at the time that they may have felt he may have been interested in. Um, there was a 30 Seconds to Mars concert. There was a band, um, I could be pronouncing this wrong, Sicketh or Sixth, Sixth, probably Sixth, S-I-K-T-H. They played a farewell show in London. They're, they're a band that have played gigs with Slipknot. And the venue where they were supposed to play this farewell show was within walking distance from King's Cross Station. He liked similar metal bands, but the problem is, is that he didn't like those bands specifically, or there's no evidence that he did. He was known to be a, a fan of the British band H.I.M., which, same. They did a promotional signing at HMV on September 17th, and they performed an invitation-only show the same evening. But the problem was is that the only way to get into this show was by completing a contest or a giveaway, and there's no evidence that he did. Um, the band actually helped the family investigate to find out whether or not Andrew was present at their show, and they couldn't find any evidence that he was. 
detective rock band. There, the several bands have actually cooperated in helping to pass out flyers, um, in trying to see if he was among the audience at their shows. <laughs> actually, the local shush Bianca metal scene has been quite helpful in trying to investigate this. That's 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 actually completely unsurprising. Metalheads are weirdly conscientious. They are. Like, if you ever want to meet, like, the friendliest person with, like, the most spikes currently hanging out of your fa- their face, go to a metal concert. Very strange. There's there's always been sort of a hope that if Andrew is still out there, he may appear at one of these concerts. He may still be into these kinds of bands and this kind of music. The family have looked for him at concerts that they of bands that they know he enjoys. Gostin's father has stated that he suspected Gostin may have gone to London to do something for which he felt it was easier to seek forgiveness rather than permission. So they don't exactly know what event he may have been planning to attend. Um, and they don't unfortunately know if he ever made it to the event he was planning to attend. Unfortunately, one of the family's greatest fears and something that they're increasingly, um, I think, talking about is is the fear that he may have come in contact with a, with a predator, with somebody who didn't have his best interests at heart and um, there's no real way of knowing whether he actually made it to London for the intended purpose that he left. There has been one break in the case though since Andrew's disappearance and that was in 2016. The Gostin family was contacted by a person who believed they may have had a conversation with Andrew online via Reddit. So there's a subreddit on Reddit where you buy people stuff off their Amazon wishlist. I don't I don't understand how it works but that's the basis of the subreddit. So, this feels like a weird kink thing. No, it's more of a we're all. I don't trust the. Internet. I don't trust the internet either. But um, this Reddit user had had a conversation with a man who was using the online handle Andy Rue, who said that he was in need of two hundred pounds to cover rent money after his partner had walked out on him. It had not really been made widely public at this point that Andrew had gone by the nickname Rue, because again, this was a nickname his parents gave him because he was small and bouncy. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the first information you would put in the in, in the missing flyers. Probably not. Um, but I did look at uh, a couple of Reddit threads where they were discussing this, and uh, several people pointed out Andy Rue is not an uncommon nickname for people named Andrew because it's kind of a play on the name itself. It's it's just mm-hmm. a cute way of pronouncing Andrew. But Andy Rue claimed to be in his mid-20s, and he said that he worked at a shop in the Lincoln area. The person speaking to him online offered to send some money to, into his bank account, but Andy Rue said that he did not have a bank account because he had left home at 14. This person then asked Andy Rue if there had been problems at home that caused him to leave, and he said, no, I just felt like it. The conversation then terminated because a friend of Andy Rue's apparently came by to bail him out. The person who had this conversation initially didn't think much of it, but the 10-year anniversary of Andrew's disappearance happened a few months later, and the case returned to the news. When this person saw the case on the news, they put two and two together and they contacted both the police and the family. The police have tried to trace the conversation to a person, but they were unable to do so. Andy Rue had deactivated his Reddit account in the interim. I mean, abandoning Reddit is actually probably a good thing, but... I mean, probably very good for your mental health. You know, cutting down on screen time, I've heard, is a great idea. Not that I'm gonna do it. I'm not. No, not at all, but... Absolutely not. But it's probably better for you. The police tried, um, and the family distributed leaflets all over the Lincoln area, which was the neighborhood that he claimed to live in, and they checked numerous shops to see if anybody look, uh, who looked like Andrew worked there, but they have not had any success. 
It is possible that Andrew, if that really was him, left the area in the time between the conversation and when the police were alerted. If he was living in an area because he lived with a partner, he might not have any reason to hang around if that partner left him. Especially if he could no longer afford rent without that person. If this really is Andrew, though, it means that there are multiple people who know him and interact with him on a daily basis, even if they haven't put two and two together. Um, it's possible that there are people out there who know who he really is, especially if his case is quite famous, and if he has a partner, that's somebody who I assume would see his ear at some point. Um, they might have a, an inkling of who he really is. No. I hide my ears. I'm a good Christian woman. Just at any time, any time I'm making out with somebody, I just full balaclava. See? Just, just to be safe. Safe sex. If our noses touch, we could both get the clap. Protect yourself, kids. Touch someone's ear? That's too intimate. I can't have that Go kind of ear jail. intimacy. I once touched someone's ear full on with my ear. It was one of the weirdest things I have ever physically experienced in 28 years of life. You're just lucky you didn't get... Have you ever... No, I have not. ...fully pressed your ear against the ear of another human? It's weird. That doesn't sound pleasant or desirable. It's so weird. I don't want to do that. Yeah, it was just like one of those things where it's just like, I just experienced a sensation entirely dissimilar to anything else I have experienced. And that doesn't happen a lot after a certain age. I'm glad that you keep pushing the boundaries of- Like, you've most- you've mostly felt the things you're gonna feel. <laughs> I'm- I'm not gonna seek weird ear intimacy with anybody, but I'm gonna take your word for it. You should, it's a rush. Fuck. Never felt so alive. I'm- I'm sure the relationship is stronger for it. So, Andrew's not a typical runaway, and to prove it, I read a 112-page report on teenage runaways in England produced by the Social Exclusion Unit. So don't say I never do anything for you. <laughs> we do our work, people! Oh my god, so 77... Th we read things! Oh, I've read a lot of things. With their eyes! Um, 77,000 children run away from home in the UK every year, which is about one in every nine children, which seems high because it is. Um, and that's because many of these kids are repeat runaways, so it's not literally every one in nine. Mm. Um, 50 so it's the same child running away repeatedly and just wrecking that curve. Yeah, there's some curve crushers in that bunch. Um, there's just like a runaway George who just like has run away 5,000 times. <laughs> he was an outlier, should not have been counted. Yeah, you just can't catch him. Um, <laughs> that would be running away. Well, you can and then, he, and then he runs away, and then you catch him again. He's just really bad at it. How many times a day do you have to run away to reach 5,000 in a year? A lot. <laughs> Repeatedly. I don't have time to do the math right now, but it's a lot. So, you just gotta make a break for it every chance you get. So, 57,000 of these kids are over the age of 11, which would include Andrew. Um, there are runaways of every race, gender, socioeconomic background. They run away from urban and rural areas, but there are factors that make a child more likely to run away, and Andrew doesn't fit any of them. Um, so compared to British averages, runaway teens are five times more likely to have a drug problem, three times more likely to have been in trouble with the police, three times more likely to have issues with truancy, and seven times more likely to have experienced physical abuse. Andrew was a mathlete with a loving family and a perfect attendance record. None of that applies. Like I said, the police investigated the family extensively after Andrew's disappearance, to the exclusion of following up on other leads, 
looking for some kind of reason why Andrew would run away, but they never found anything. Uh, if there had been any kind of abuse or issue in the home, it, I really think it would have come to light by now. Like I said, perfect attendance, high academic achievement, no interactions with the law. His teachers never had any concern. He never showed signs of mental illness. He was pretty much universally considered to be a happy, bright, well-adjusted kid. His sister also had no issues. She had no concerns. She was also very bright. She went to Oxford. Uh, if there was issues in the home, it seems like she would have known about it. 98% of children missing children are found within a week of their disappearance, and very few are still missing after 10 years. There are only 3,000 people in general who are still missing in the United Kingdom for more than 10 years. So this is, a, this is very much an open case, but it... This is all the cameras! It's incredibly difficult to go missing in England. lose somebody in this city? I swear to God, you could go <laughs> missing in a sheep pasture and they would find you with six of their cameras. <laughs> oh yeah, they, they have one camera per sheep. If you fall down a well, there's a camera down there. And you pass two on the way down. Like, every time every time you sneak into a bar, barnyard, the horse is wearing a wire. Um... Better feed them sugar lumps if they're gonna rat you out. I don't I don't think that's how you go missing in the UK. I don't think you have to bribe the horse. Oh, if you don't bribe the horse, then you go missing. <laughs> Alright. Terrifying country. So glad I just got a PhD interview there. Horse mafia. Uh great. Uh, so it kinda goes without saying, if you have information related to this case, you should get in touch with the police immediately because they've pretty much got nothing. The British police, preferably. The yes, I don't know what the RCMP can do. Don't for tell you. the Australians about this. <laughs> tell the Mounties Keep your secrets. <laughs> uh, the family obviously hold out hope that Andrew is alive and well out there somewhere. Although they they acknowledge that this may not be the case, and they have said that their worst fear is that Andrew may have fallen afoul of a predator or a pedophile. But at this point, they do not believe that he's going to reappear of his own accord if he is still alive. He missed his sister's wedding, and they think that that would have been the one event that he would emerge for um, if he's out there and he's monitoring them. The family still live in the same house, and they still have the same front door lock. Remember, Andrew left with his keys. Um, so that Andrew will always be able to come home if he decides that he wants to. His, his key will still work in the front door. If the police haven't solved it, I don't know what chance we have, but if you were in London in 2007 and you had encounters with someone who could be Andrew Gosden... It's definitely not too late to report it. Yes. Anytime you see somebody with just a fucked up ear, you need to go to the police. Well, I mean, if you live in London or you spend time in the area, maybe start paying attention to people. Start paying attention to the local homeless population. A lot of teenage runaways do, unfortunately, <laughs> end up having issues with long-term homelessness as adults. And they usually uh, don't go f stray far from the area where they disappeared. Anytime you're in a conversation, just stare, stare at their ears. Um... There's a record 7,500 people sleeping rough in the streets of London right now. It's kind of hard to keep track of them all. It's easy to disappear in that population. Also, and this is something the police themselves encourage, if you know a man in roughly his mid-20s who sort of resembles Andrew and doesn't appear to have any backstory beyond the last couple of years, doesn't seem to have any family, doesn't seem to have childhood friends, maybe take a look at his ear real quick. Um, yeah, yeah just, just pop a look at his ear. If Andrew doesn't want to be found, he could lie about his age and his name. He could lie about his birthday. Uh, he could wear... Trick him into going swimming. Yeah, he could wear contact lenses and he could try to disguise his Yorkshire accent. But he can't disguise his ear. He could always cut it off. That's dark. Also check that, I guess, if you've got a one-eared friend with a weird backstory. Yeah. You should probably tell somebody, I mean, just in general. I mean, just tell everybody. That sounds fascinating. 
how you make friends. Stories like that. That has been the strange disappearance of Andrew Gosden, and that's been our first episode in a in a very long time. Yes, we'll try to have another one soonish. 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 I'm going to inflict something upon you all. It's going to be horrifying. I have no doubt that it will be. Do your worst. <laughs> that was a challenge. In I case, should not have thrown out there. You've thrown down the gauntlet, Janelle. Now reap the whirlwind. I'm mixing my metaphors. You are a little bit. <laughs> I'll mix your metaphors. Um, Sexual? Hmm, probably not. I'm an innocent. Also, un, un, unwise in the way of the world. I'm Jessica. And this has been Janelle. Or am I Janelle? No, you're, you're still Jessica. Janelle is cursed. Don't be Janelle. And we have been fat. French. French. And, and fabulous. fabulous. We've, we've gotten rusty at that. We'll have to get back in shape. Lift some weights. Do some push-ups. Eat some pudding. Now I know that's sexual. If only, if only the woodpecker's sighs The bark on the trees was as soft as the skies while the wolf waits below, hungry and lonely, he cries to the moon, if only, if only.